lessons. I'm your resident comic book nerd, Beth. And today's lesson, I do apologise. I'm being quite loud, as you can tell, because I can. Anyways, so today's lesson is going to be on a summer. <laughs> I do apologise. I had to do that. It's kind of my thing I like to do. <laughs> Shout names randomly in the most random voice going. Because I can. <laughs> anyway, so today we're going to be covering not scary Neil Gaiman, Sandman. We're going to be covering... Uh, give me a moment. Oh, sorry. I had an appointment before this, so I'm kind of running around. So anyways, so we're going to be covering Sanderson Hawkins. Now, Sam, you might be thinking... Why Sanderson Hawkins, for a starters? Because you might know him from different, as different names. Because you might not know him as just Sandman. You might know him as, um... And we'll go through with the names that he's used over the years. As we get to the episode. Anyway, so... Just give me a moment. <coughs> <coughs> Sanderson, Sandy Hawkins, has gone by the names such as Sandy the Golden Boy, San, Sans, Sam, and eventually, Samman. <laughs> and as I mentioned, he is in the DC Universe. And he was create. He was also created by Mort Weisinger and Paul Norris. And he would make his first appearance in Adventure Comics number sixty nine in December of nineteen forty one. Now he would be underutilized for several years. He would not be used for a long time, and but then he would be reintroduced in nineteen ninety nine in the JSA series, written by David Goyer and Jeff Johns, where his powers would be greatly expanded and his responsibilities as well, and he would become a new version of Sandman eventually. Anyways, so going into the Golden Age, he was known as Sandy the Golden Boy. He was created as a sidekick to Sandman. <laughs> And as I mentioned, he was created by Mort Weisinger and Paul Norris. He was also the nephew of San the Sandman's girlfriend, Diane Belmont. And he would de debut as a tight-wearing tight youth in the same vein as Robin the Boy Wonder. Now, the same issue would also showcase a new yellow and purple costume for Sandman. Anyways... So that's basically all that happened to him in the Silver Age, Golden Age. But that would be reckoned later on, and we'll get into that. Silver Age time! So, the flourish of mystery men comics came to an end in the late 1940s. About ten years later, DC Comics decided to reintroduce some of the mystery men into new books, but reimagined them as superheroes. Such as Green Lantern and Hawkman. Now, a very important issue comic would be published in September 1961. Flash number 123. 
this story was called Clash of Two Worlds. And this was the first new story using a, a mystery man character, J. Gary the Flash, namely. And this was where the concept of an Earth 1 and Earth 2 began to be developed. And of soon other 1940s characters would be used in modern stories. Sandy, the golden boy, would not be reintroduced until 1974 by Len Wein. Now, I do apologise, I know next to nothing about Len Wein, so I can't really extend it to something I know next to nothing about. And he, anyway, so he would be reintroduced in Justice League of America 113. Now, Len Wein would write of his inspiration in the compilation book Crisis on Multiple Earths, Volume 3 in 2004. I had always been a fan of the Golden Age Salmon! And I'd always wondered why he'd been put back into his double-breasted man-of-mystery gas mask outfit when he was revived, instead of the more traditional purple-and-yellow superhero costume he'd worn in the latter days of the 1940s. This would make the perfect place to find out. Firstborn was the creature in the velvet cage. In the story, it was revealed that in the 1940s, Sandy had been... Poor Sandy had been transformed into a huge sun-like creature when an experimental weapon, Sandman, had been new testing, exploded. Now, Sandman, racked with guilt, stopped wearing the costume he'd worn as Sandy's partner and went back to his original outfit. This transformed Sandy... And he he was kept in a glass cage for decades. And in a later story, to be precise, DC Comics Presents number 47 in July of 1982. I was not born in the 80s. It was all big hair, big funky shoulder pads, big music. La, 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 la. Anyways, not the point. Back to the 1980s. He was finally turned back into his human form. And he found that he had an agent all that time. Now I'm jealous. Sandy! Can we have... What's the secret? To not ageing. I don't know. Okay, we do not want to be exploded by any sort of weapon by... Sandman! Anyways. Now, still in the 1980s, we would see Roy Thomas... Right, World War Two era series, the All-Star Squadron and the Young All-Stars, pre-crisis and post-crisis, respectively. And Sandy would be brought into the Squadron storyline during the Crisis crossover, which would begin in the issue 51 in, Dece- uh, no, in November 1985. That book wouldn't soon stop publishing, and... It would be replaced by the Young All Stars in June of 1987, where he would uh, play a role in issues 228. The series would state that he was 14 going on 15 in the spring of 1942. Now, this is where things get a little bit confusing. Also written by Roy Thomas, I do apologise. The one issue special, The Last Days of the JSA, would be published in 1986. 
and it would depict the departure of the JSA characters. But isn't Sandy starring in Young All-Stars? Okay, bit confusing. Although taking place in the modern era, within weeks of the crisis, Sandy would still be depicted as a teenager, wearing his World War II uniform of yellow and red. And the story would relate how he and other JSA members were take, are going are taken into Ragnarok, where they must fight forever. Now, a couple of years later, 1992 to be precise, not as big shoulders, okay, big shoulders still. I think the shoulder pads get even bigger in the 90s. I was not born in the 90s, so if I slag the 90s off in any way, I do apologise. I was not born. I've seen pictures of the 90s. <laughs> and I have not heard good things about the 90s. Not the point, but anyways. In 1992, the, the Armageddon Inferno miniseries, which would be written by John Ostrander, who famously wrote Suicide Squad, would take the JSA members out of Ragnarok, finally. <laughs> And bring them back to Earth, allowing fat writers to use them in future stories. Sandy would be one of them. Yay! Sandy's back! Now, we skip a few years. About seven years to be precise in publishing time. To 1999. We're close to the millennium. Everybody's getting ready to party, but like it's 1999. I do apologise, I'm just singing. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Anyways, not the book. The JSA would be preceded by the Secret File Special. Now, this these series would reintroduce Sandy, now as a young man, calling himself Sand. This new and further development of the character was written by James Morris Robinson. Not James Morrison. No. I meant James Robinson. Getting confused with Grant Morrison here. I do apologise. <laughs> Anyways, now issue 18 of the series, which would be written by David Goyer and Jeff Johns, would introduce retconned history of the character, including his killing of John Storrow in 1944. Now... The JSA vs. JSA storyline, which would have said uh, travel back in time to 1951 and interact with the Sandman. Mm. Now, Jeff Johns would stay the age of Sand as biologically 25, but his birthday was changed to 1926. Now, Roy Thomas had said different. He'd made his birth year 1928, making him 14 in 1942. So, Jeff Johns basically just went to Roy Thomas' book when he wrote Send. Sandy! Or Send! As we now know him. He was like, no, 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 Roy, I don't agree with you. He was not born in 1928. He was not 14 in 1942. He was born in 1924, 1926, So technically, 
By the time you got to your era, you were 16. Not 14. He wasn't that young. But the Salvage Cage story from the 1970s would always also be referenced. And it would be changed as well. And the year front of the silicoid accident would be changed. From 1947 to 1945. Now issue 83, which was written in 2006, which was part of the one day later storyline from DC. Now in this issue, which was written by Paul Levitt... Sand is no longer shown as a member of the JSA. Sand makes no further appearances in the series, which would end in 87. Issue 87, which would be later in 2006. But the JSA would not stay apart for long. Because in February of 2007, oh, well, Jeff Johns would be back again writing the Justice Society of America. They got rid of the JSA. They were like, no. JSA is too 90s. We are not being called the JSA anymore. We are going to be called Justice Society of America because JSA is no longer cool. Anyways, not the point. <laughs> the cover of the book, the first issue of this series, would show the round table of the JSA, or as we now know them, the Justice Society of America, surrounded by 17 heroes. Amongst those heroes, Stood Sanderson Hawkins, or as we knew him before this, said, but he looked a little different. He was now wearing a black cape and fedora, reminiscent of the original Sandman, but also gloves and a mask I know of any other incarnation of Sand or the Sandman. It appears to be a cross between the masks of Hawkins and, Hawkins and Dodds, and mixed with designs that were borrowed from the home of Dream of the Endless. So basically, they borrowed a little bit from Dick, Neil Gaiman's Sandman as well. Naughty, naughty sand! Now, according to Jeff Johns in an interview with. Wizard Magazine in issue 180 of October 2006. Not 1996. No. Sad would become the Justice Society of America's Recon Man. Now, Recon is short for Reconnaissance, which is basically a scouting, which is like looking for information obtaining information about the enemy forces, the terrain, and other activities. So, you know, basically, it's basically he's just being a scout looking for danger and getting information. But he would be doing more detective work in the process of this. He only brought in on in issue three. Appearing in a louder smoke and speaking of nightmares. Sandman, behave! (laughs) With the dramatics... Yeah, he decided to be a drama queen. Anyways, not the point. So. These attributes were more recognisable of Wesley Dodds. Not Sanderson Hawkins. Issue 5 would show this version of Hawkins as more sober and serious than previous incarnations. But for about a year, we were 
not seen. He wasn't seen. He wasn't used in the series. No, was his face off name shown in the roll call found frame in the main pages of the story. He was not seen until issue fourteen of two in back in two thousand eight, where he would be portrayed as tormented by perverse and horrible nightmares. Now we're not going to go into the new fifty two because nobody likes the new fifty two. Believe me. Um. <coughs> Don't apologize. Now, in the sequel to The Watchmen, known as Doomsday Clock, Sanderson would return alongside many other heroes to the DC Universe when Dr. Manhattan, who was inspired by Superman, would it do the changes that he made to the timeline that raised the Justice Society and the Legion of Superheroes? So that's basically everything about Sanderson or Hawkins or Sandy or Sand or Sandman. <laughs> so we're going to go into his powers and abilities a little bit because we didn't really mention them. We mentioned a little bit, but we referenced mentioned that they were more associated with Wesley Dodds, the original Sandman. But these are his powers and ability. Silicon-based body is elastic and resilient. Metamorphs into sand and emits seismic disruptions. Prophetic dreams. Proficient with many handgun-based weapons, such as gas guns and wire-poon guns. So that's basically everything on Sandman. Well, Sand Sandy Hawkins, Sandman. So I'm gonna go into the recommended reading. So for my first recommendation, I'm going to go for. Uh, this is going to be a little bit tricky. I'm going to go with JSA, obviously, because that's where we establish him as the a young man. We see him grow out of being a teenager. We see him finally step out of being Sandy the Golden Boy and become Sand, which is my favourite version of Sandy Hawkins. I like him as Sand. He doesn't ha- it's not my favourite costume, I'll, t- I'll give you that, but it is my favourite era of Sand. Sandy. A bit. My favourite ever of him is Sand. Because you see him stepping up as a leader. You see him being really cool. We see him... It's interesting, in a way. Because we see him in a roles that we wouldn't have thought of for Sand. Sanderson Hawkins. So, my first recommendation is the JSA series. My second recommendation. Who is going to be the creature in the velvet cage? I know this is about just the one issue, I believe. I've not read this issue, so I do apologize. But we see get the revelation of what happened to Sandy. Like how this affected Sandman! When what happened to Sandy, the golden boy, in the 1940s, even though things were changed since then, it's got impact because we see 
Salmon in a position that I don't think you'd really think of when you think of Wesley Dodd, Sandman. I I should have done the voice for Sandman. Damn it! Mm. Sandman! Anyways, mm. so, that's my second recommendation. It's, it's interesting to tell that story of Sandy, what he went through, even though it took him a long time to be unfrozen from, undone from all that, and develop into Sand or Sandman! Mm. <laughs> I still think that's pretty cool. I'm also going to recommend the Justice Society of America, where we see him become the recon man, where we see him become more behind the scenes, being really cool, being more like Wesley Dodds, seeing him appear in smokes and talking of nightmares, <laughs> basically having a flair for the dramatic, like the Spectre, in a way. Who we did mention, did an episode on a couple of episodes ago. What a coincidence! But the Spectre in general is dramatic. I just, I don't just mean Christmas Island Spectre. So I do apologise to any Christmas Island fans out there. Anyways, so my final recommendation. Oh boy. It was tough for this episode because we didn't see Sand, f- Sandy for a long time. You know, it's like when characters stay dead for an extended period of time. He wasn't in the appearing comics for a long time, you know. So it's kind of tricky to come up with some good recommendations, you know. So... I'm probably going to go with the last days of the JSA miniseries, which would see the departure of the JSA characters, you know, seeing them disappear, how they took on Ragnarok. And then, uh, but I know I said this was my final recommendation. That was my final recommendation, but I must do last one, one last one, which brought them back. The Armageddon Inferno miniseries, because it brought them back into the fold. It, uh, that miniseries is the reason we still we got a JSA series in the late nineties. If we didn't bring them back in ninety two, we wouldn't have got the JSA series that we did in ninety nine. I know it's a next bit a long period of time to not write about them, but. If they hadn't brought them back when they did, we wouldn't have got that series. So, I think that's why I recommend that that story. So, that's my recommended reading on Sanderson Hawkins, or Sand, (laughs) as I'm going to call it. So, we're going to go to a little bit of a discussion. Because we've seen Sand... Man, in live action, we've seen Neil Gaiman's Sandman recently in on Netflix. We've seen a version of Sandman in the different DC projects over the years, but I'm I don't think they've clearly stated which Sandman it was. So, my first question is, do I think? If we're going to see a Sandman-like character, or even Sand, 
Uh, will it be Sanderson Hawkins under that gas mask as Sandman in live action? <sighs> That's a tough question to answer. Because I could say yes, but I could also say no. Because there's been so many versions of Sandman. And I think it'd get confusing for people watching. Because you not only have Sandman who, who has the gas mask and the fedora and the cool trench coat. Looks like a detective from the 1940s. But you also have some Sandman who's in the mist. This is um, I'm in a world of dreams <laughs> for Neil, Neil Gaiman's Sandman. So, that's what makes it tough, because it depends which Sandman you want to go for. What kind of story do you want to tell? Which Sandman you would pick? You want to go all mysticism and all that. I'd recommend using you know, Neil Gaiman, Sam Men. If you want to go back to the 1940s, use Leslie Dodds. But in terms of legacy, I think the way forward would be if, and this is a big if, Leslie Dodds was already dead. We Leslie Dodds has been dead for a long time in the comics, as it is. I don't think he's came back that I'm aware of um I, I will do a Wesley Dodds episode eventually um but if we were to see a modern sand salmon how do I word this I think the sand modern sandman we'd see would be most likely sand. But I don't think they'd put him in the Sandman costume. The reason why? Probably because maybe it's copyright issues. I don't know. Maybe because they don't want someone that scares them if they saw someone in a gas mask come onto their screens. Because I don't think gas masks has a good association. No offence, but, you know, do you get where I'm coming from? Probably not. I don't know. You can answer in the, uh, on Twitter at lateessence81. You can answer through voice notes on Anchor. Um, but I don't... No, whether we'd see Sam in live action. I think it'd be really cool if we did because I love Sand. He's a sweetheart. When I think of the JSA or the Justice Society of America, I will be doing an episode on this, I promise. My best JSA lineup. Sand is there. Sand is in that lineup for me. Not just because of his leadership skills, but because he can do 
He can be your econ man. He can be your leader. He can do all these things, you know. But that's going on to my next question. Where does sand fit in when it comes to the JSA? Because we've had many members of the Justice Society of America over the years. And if I recall, I don't think I've ever seen a lineup of the Justice Society of America without a Sandman. Could I picture a JSA without a Sandman? No! Even if it's a different version of Sandman. Even if it is Wesley Dodd's Sandman. Even if it is Sanderson Hawkins' Sandman. You always see a Sandman in that lineup. And the reason is because he is a founding member of the Justice Society of America. And I think people forget that. Because I think most people, when they think of this founding members of the Justice Society of America, they think of Flash J. Garrick. They think of Green Lantern Alan Scott. They think of Ted Grant Wildcat. Um, I think he's a founding member. Yeah, I think he is. Spectre. Doctor Fate. But there is others that people forget about. There's Atom. Al Pratt Atom. Because there's been a couple of other people with the name Atom. But with very different looks. But anyway, they're not the point. <laughs> Dr. Midnight. Charles McKnight and Mr. Dr. Midnight. Mr. I think Mr. Terrific was a family member. I'm not sure. I don't think he is. Anyway, it's not the point. Um, back to discussion about Sandy Hawkins. Salmon. My next question when I think about this. Sandy, Sandy, Sandy. Does he, I've said about him being, you know, being able to do everything on the Justice Society. But where, what is his role? Is he better suited behind the scenes being the scout, you know, the reek? We cannot say, man, I don't know how to pronounce it. I do a apologize. They do, they see him as someone that scouts out locations and all that. Scouting out enemy territory, terrain, and other information about the enemy. Or is he better suited being a leader or being front and centre? That's tough, because he's done both roles really well. Because when most people think of JSA, they do think of Sand as a leader. They think of him as a man behind the scenes. He can do both. That's what makes it so tough to pinpoint where Sand fits. Because do I picture him more as Sand? You know, the green suit and the weird mask where it's like blue and yellow on the eyes and the mouth. Or do I picture him as Sandman with the fedora and the gas mask and all the dramatic smoke and the trench coat acting all 1940s? <sighs> I can see him doing both. Which one he suits best? I'm gonna be honest. He makes a great leader. I agree with that point I made. 
But I think he suits better behind the scenes. You know, scouting out. Because you have your resident doctor. Speaking of doctors, we will be covering a doctor next episode. Doctor Midnight, to be precise. We'll, we'll, dis- uh, we'll discuss which Doctor Midnight in the next episode. Spoilers. <sighs> Do apologise. But... Because he seems to have that dynamic with people behind the scenes. He seems to work better behind the scenes than being front and centre. And not saying that he's great up and centre because he's really good. I love Sam. The Hawkins, I love Sam. I love Sam, man. It was Sam, man. But he's better behind the scenes because he he's... To me, he gives that... Not old, but like that older young man that, you know, people listen to. You know, the youngsters that are coming through listen to. Because Sandy has been on that journey. He has earned the JSA's respect. Or the just Society of America's respect. He earned their respect enough to be their leader. He learnt their respect enough to be become Sandman. He was respected enough to be invited to become a member of the Justice Society of America. There is a reason he is always on the team. There is a reason why he's either front and centre or he's just behind the scenes. There's a reason. So that's basically everything for Sandy Hawkins, Sandman. Uh, I... I hopefully I'll have Twitter working and stick around for my sum up tweets for Sandy Hawkins Sandman. And until next time, bye! sum up tweet for Sandy Hawkins or Sanderson Hawkins, depending on who you ask. Sandy Hawkins, a member of the Justice Society who could fit anywhere on the team, either as leader or behind the scenes. Younger members look up to him for a reason. He's been on the same journey as they. The older members look at him with respect as well, ending with a clapping emoji.